Sometimes life feels out of our control. We get stuck in trauma, old patterns, and change feels out of reach. Sometimes it feels like fate. We want to help you break out of old, unhelpful patterns and become healthier. We're fate resilience, taking control of the outcome. With licensed therapists, Jennifer Oxford, Taylor Madsen, Haley Mayer. We're going to continue on in our, you know, lovely voyage through the boundaries uh, and what that means. And the first frontier, not the final. The first frontier. And depending on where you're at in life, you may wish this was the last that we talked about boundaries, but we have more. Um, and this isn't even a bonus episode. This is just, you need to be aware of it. And I'm sure, honestly, let me just, before I introduce it, I just want to like input this. I think when people hear boundaries, because it has become one of these like, um, social media catchphrases, like, oh, good boundaries, boundaries, you know, and all these kind of amazing life coaches are telling you how you need to create like, um, applicable boundaries you don't probably recognize there's all these things to do with the boundary and why we have boundaries. And when we're working on different things, a lot of these things are very cohesive and how we work through it. So when we work with someone boundaries and when you're trying to establish your own, these are all things to be able to look at, but we're not necessarily having to go into every single little niche of it while you're looking at your own, but you should be aware of all these different parts of boundaries. So that's why we want to break this up into parts and to really look into it. You know, and, and from a personal note, I want to add too that it's important to recognize that the idea of boundaries and actually applying boundary changes or improving boundaries mm-hmm. is, is deeply rooted to your whole life experience. So mm-hmm. this is one of the things that I've worked with a therapist on. And again, I feel like I'm pretty competent and I understand some things, but when it comes to understanding why I'm struggling with boundaries, sometimes I have to go and do my work and it's not just a rational, okay, here's my boundary. Here's what we need to do. It comes down to working, like we've said in that limbic brain and being able to go through and use those types of therapy um, that address those limbic brain held beliefs responses, and the so I, emotional brain. Mm-hmm. Yes, the emotional brain, and and that the types of therapy that do that, um, EMDR, ART, IFS, those types of therapies, the, those types of therapies aren't done by all professionals, and so you want to make sure as you're doing this work that you're making sure that the therapist you're working with is trained mm-hmm. and that we're not just talking about it, but that we're actually working through the trauma. Yeah. So our topic today, when it comes to boundaries is we are going to talk about subsystems, um, which is just another way of identifying groupings of boundaries and who you're interacting with. And um, yeah. Who groups wants, of people. Groups of, yeah. Groups of people you you are a human being, you're going to interact with a bunch of different types of people. So we're going to focus on kind of some main groups of people that you interact with as an individual. Um, There are many different subsystems you can have, but we're just going to work with some of the key ones that are really great for explaining. And you can apply this to anything and everything. Well, and as you think about, well, what are the groups that, you know, that we maybe aren't talking about and we may not spend time just for an idea any group that comes together and has a common goal or experience can be a grouping right Mm -hmm. so as we grow up 
we've got um, our family group. There's the sibling group versus the parent group. When you're first a child, you're not part of the parent group. You may later become part of a parent group, but you're not that first time. Cohorts at school. Cohorts is another word for group, but um, mm-hmm. your your class at school, your age group. Um, maybe you go to a camp and you have a cabin and that creates a group um and there's a system and a culture in it uh i know going to college uh roommates created groups for me work systems created groups for me um and you know then there's the age related things everyone of a certain age created groups but the ones we're going to talk about are the highly relational we we're not going to go deep into depths around the larger group subsystems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the most important ones are the boundaries that we'll have as a couple. And we've been talking a lot about individual boundaries, but couples will have their own roles, rules, and routines. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times, oh, we talked about triangles already. A lot of times we'll... Um, have anxiety or distress that's hard to tolerate in a marriage or a couple and so we'll bring a third person in sometimes that's someone's mom sometimes it's a friend and that gets really tricky and suddenly there's a third person in the marriage and let's just be very clear when we're talking about bringing a third person in we're talking about someone who's emotionally kind of involved in the scenario. We're not talking about like a, a, a th- like we've talked about in the We're past, like a, a therapist. Well, no, like that wasn't what I was going with. <laughs> That's what yeah, I was going with. That was what you were going with. We're talking about someone who is emotionally engaged in the relationship in some way. We're not talking about them bringing a therapist in to help them, right? Or to mm-hmm. talk about a mediator coming in to help them. We're talking about someone who kind of like, I need help explaining this you know, you like me, you're going to be on my side and that's them bringing that in. Right. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Making sure that that, cause we've mentioned bringing therapists in, in the past, that's great. You know, mediators great because the role of a therapist and a mediator is the, you know, Island in the middle. It is not someone who is tethered to either side. They are tethered to justice. <laughs> like that's Friends, it. family will want to be a mediator. They'll say that they're mediating and they cannot. It's it's just even if they can be a very great, a non-destructive third party, the problem you have is that if there is any doubt on either end of the, the couple or the, you know, the the duo's relationship, if there's any doubt on either end that that person can be um, a person, I mean, even in therapy, like, let's say I'm seeing an individual client and they want to do couples work. If the other partner feels like, well, Haley's been seeing my wife, my husband, my, you know, my partner, I don't feel like she can be a third party. Then I wouldn't be a good person to do therapy with them. And so I always have to double check. And to some point, some therapists have a rule. They won't see couples, um, if they see one of the individual parties. So yeah, we're talking about just who that third person is, that's kind of the role of them. And I think what often gets people into um, a mess or, or unhealthy boundaries is, is that we move from subsystems to subsystems. So one of the things you see often is, you know, we have a, you know, when people start to couple up, maybe they have a friend group they were really close to, and that's where they shared a lot of their emotions. And then they're switching to their partner. 
Um, and so sometimes we see that those systems as they, the boundaries change and the rules, roles and responsibilities change, sometimes a friendship will that change becomes very difficult and it will, and that they'll try and keep them involved in the partnership versus allow the boundary to be different. Additionally, with parents, sometimes we, there are people who really want their parents and their advice and found that helpful. There are other people who want parents not involved at all in, you know, giving advice. And so these are things where as a couple, you have to kind of come together and decide what's healthy and what level of, feedback or involvement will happen Mm. Um, and there's not a right or wrong answer to that for any specific system but it is one that you both need to agree on interestingly moving between groups of people and and therefore those different boundaries those roles rules and routines is why teenagers are moody it's not because of puberty um because they're going although that's certainly not helping (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, they, they've done studies on this. Yeah. Um, you're going through different classes, you're going to different sports or um, extracurricular activities, then you're going home, you're going to friend groups. It's a huge transitional time. It's, it's culture shock after culture shock with no transition time. And then they take groups of adults and do this. And adults usually only have uh, work and home and that's it. You take adults and you put them through the same thing where they're going to four to eight classes in a day and then a friend group, and then home, and adults become just as moody as teenagers. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And so navigating those roles, rules, and routines is is really important and impacts people. Well, and it's interesting as you say that too, Taylor, I think about the idea of a too rigid subgroup where they aren't allowed to interact outside that group, right? Whether that be outside the family or outside a um a neighborhood or outside of a you know a culture that that would be a, a subgroup where then you're not prepared to understand what it means to move between groups and make that adjustment and that might be difficult too especially if it becomes shocking yeah the clinical term for that is a rubber fence um, we've talked about good boundaries being that good things are able to come out of uh, the you know interact outside of the system good things come in definitely are able to get uh, rid of bad things and bad things don't come in. Uh, so rubber fence, uh, things don't leave the family and it's very difficult to get in. Uh, it's blood in and blood out. It's just like a game. Yeah. Um, it, dating those families are very difficult. Um, they, they don't talk to you until months uh, have passed, maybe years or until a certain milestone has been reached, whether it's uh, moving in together, engagement, maybe marriage, or the first child comes. Uh, and then um, if you break up, then there's no contact after that. And I'm not suggesting that you should be hanging out with people that you no longer date, uh, but it's very much more awkward once you're no longer uh, engaging with a rubber fence type family. Well, there needs to be some sort of, yeah, there needs to be some sort of, yeah, there needs to be some sort of differentiation when you're in a relationship, but you're not. And I think, yeah, that hierarchy, not hierarchy, that subsystem, it's good to recognize when that's changed and there needs to be a recognition, recognition of change. I've seen when people don't recognition. Yep. That's what I meant to say. Recognition. (laughs) I'm going to add a lot of weird letters. Um, Cheating at Scrabble. That's the best. Um, but I've seen a lot of friends who don't change when their relationship type has changed. And that leads to a lot of confrontation and a lot of, you know, value. Um, I would say like kind of 
you know, pushing on some other people's values and things like that. And so it's, it's good to recognize when those, um, yeah, when those things are adapting. Yeah. Are your routines changing once you're, once you're dating, once you're engaged, once you're married, are they changing once you have children? Um, in therapy, we'll work with people that are still going on dates once they're married um, or We're hoping they are flirting. I'm not talking about dating their spouse. I'm talking oh. about other dates. <laughs> like we hope they aren't. Like, well, I didn't know that was a bad thing. Uh, me thinks. <laughs> Wait. Okay, sorry. My brain just like fried a little bit because it's so outside my value system to go on dates after you're married. Sorry, with other people. So I'm not talking <laughs> about consensual uh, polyamory. I'm talking, and we're not talking about dates with your spouse. We're talking about a completely different third party. Yeah, yeah. Like mm -hmm. one spouse is unhappy about it, the other is like, what? No, like uh, you know, just having fun. So uh, consensual <laughs> polyamory. That would be another kind of uh routine and rules Grouping. That, yeah, yeah that would maybe be different than some people that are listening to this and other people who are like yeah totally rock on and so everyone's uh roles rules and routines are going to be different and it will be based on either like we've talked about repeatedly in these boundaries podcasts emotional wounds or values so one of the things we do because we're social learning um creatures is is that we watch other subsystems and we decide to take on their values or reject those values as we create our own so a lot of times when we go into coupling or marriage or parenting we will look at what we saw those subsystems do and which ones we saw and we thought were healthy were not or not healthy and we will repeat those patterns because each subsystem as we even from the outside you can see things like what's the structure what's the um what's the characteristics so if we saw a subsystem where there was maybe the woman made all the decisions in um a heterosexual couple and so they get married and there's an assumption that she's going to make all the decisions or if you know the um, one partner makes all the decisions about the money and that's what we saw and it worked well in one system it won't necessarily work well in all systems um we've talked a little bit about how you kind of have to make that decision based on your relationship versus just looking at the patterns of relationships um of others yeah um another kind of where we see boundaries kind of go awry is when this is a complaint maybe you yourself have made or someone you know is that um, my spouse is just like another one of the kids I don't have three kids I have four um, is is one of the adults in the family in the in the group with the kids or the subsystem with the children is he following those roles rules and routines instead of engaging on the level of a parent and a spouse um or is one of the children parentified are they acting in the role of a parent are they parenting the other kids are they taking on more of an adult role are they you know taking on more of the cleaning and the shopping and things and not that there aren't life circumstances that need that to happen but is this going on chronically beyond the crisis and one of the things I'll add to this part, too, is that when people go through um, loss through divorce or death from a system and all of a sudden that other partner, maybe in a in a parent partnerhood or um, 
you know, again, we have the parent unit and now it's a single parent experience versus the, the kids are interacting with that takes some time to readjust to those patterns. You know, um, there's a reason that people struggle with that and we need to understand that those are system adjustments and i love that you brought up teenage angst because i think a lot of people think it'll be very smooth you know if if i hated being married to this person that suddenly being a single parent will be very smooth that's not true it will be very disruptive um that doesn't mean it won't be the right move um in in your circumstances but be ready for you to have to change some of your expectations around patterns and roles rules and routines for you as a single parent versus as a coupled parent even if the other person you didn't feel like was super helpful um, interesting along those lines um a substantial number of children uh where there is um contention in the home there's there's either violence or um yelling <clears throat> Children from those divorced households are better adjusted than children from whole nuclear families. Um, and life does look different after divorce than it does before. Well, and one of the other things that um, you see is that life looks different after a partner has died, right? We've taken a subsystem um, and suddenly the subsystem isn't there. And, and then as a community or as a culture or as a family, we have to figure out how do we adjust to um, what I've seen is, is, you know, maybe a couple being together decades 40 or 50 de or no, 40 or 50 years and like then 40 all this, 50 decades yeah I, I did the math that didn't work the main science <laughs> yeah but but and then one of the partners passes away and so instead of having a system that was you know correlating emotionally you know the roles rules and routines were working we it might it might change and we need to be aware of what happens when people become widows um especially elderly you know what happens emotionally and um just to their the way they live their life so that's yeah. that's another family thing that happens later is sometimes there isn't a partner and that happens and we have to be willing to adjust yeah are we um are we cut off from the groups of people around us the subsystems around us um are we accepting help and and working with our neighbors our church community if we have one our extended family um, if we have a, a sick uh, parent or partner or chronically ill one or we lose a parent to divorce or uh, death um all of that um it, you know having a healthy uh, relationship with the groups of people around us is all part of having healthy boundaries mm -hmm. The only other thing I would add is that it's important to understand, just like everything we've talked about with boundaries, that the subsystem can have overt and covert rules and expectations, responsibilities, all of those things. And so, spoken and unspoken. Yeah. Right. I like the spy terms, but yeah, you could go with that. Um, <laughs> just in case I, there's anyone that doesn't know what overt and covert means. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, <laughs> I was just, but as I was thinking about this, this is when, you know, what we see come into therapy is when the over or the um, spoken and unspoken rules come in and we need to help define them and help create healthy boundaries, either because they're either too rigid or too, um, or they don't exist in the relationship. 
Thank you for listening to our podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review. And if you want to find us on social media, we're on Instagram and Facebook at Fate Resilience. We would love to hear from you.